Amen. All right, open up your Bibles to two places for me, please. If you'll first open up to Psalm 17. And then once you get to Psalm 17, hold your place and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And while you guys are turning, just want to say I'm honored. Brother Bittner and I were talking this morning before the uh, morning service. Just about what an honor it is to be able to preach behind this pulpit. And uh, I don't take it lightly for the opportunity. And um, I love this church. This place has changed my life. And uh, I'm very, very grateful. And I'm honored to stand before you all tonight. So if you will stand with me for the reading of God's word, let you stretch your legs two more or uh, one more time while we read these two verses here. First Timothy chapter six and verse six says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought, for we brought nothing into, the, into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. In Psalm 17, verse 15, one of my favorite verses. I have a lot of favorite verses. I say that a lot. But verse 15 says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I want to preach to you tonight, be content, but stay unsatisfied. Be content but stay unsatisfied. Let's pray, and we will get into it. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to thank you so much for, Lord, this place. Lord, I love it. I love Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, I love our preacher. I love our, our people, Lord, my church family. And I'm thankful for every, for every single person here. And Lord, I pray that as I preach the word of God, that you would go forth, and Lord, that your power would be here. For, Father, if I try to preach without you, this, is, this will be pointless, this will be fruitless. And, Lord, we don't want that. And so I pray that you would go before, Lord, you would have me speak uh, that which you would have me speak. And, Lord, we pray for Pastor Shiflett as he is preparing his heart and mind to preach down in Georgia, that you would give him power, that you would give his whole family safety as they come home. And, Lord, just give us a great time in the house of God. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. All right. Pray for my voice. I've been battling a cold the last few days and teaching Sunday school this morning. I felt my... Always starting to go, so just pray for me so I can make it through this thing. Being content. To be satisfied means having your desires fully gratified, you are made content. Your wants are, are gratified, and so are your wishes and your desires to the fullest extent. To supply possessions or enjoyment until no more is desired. That's what it means to be satisfied or content. And it's important that we as Christians learn the importance of being content. Because when we are content, it means that our eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ and we are okay. We are good with and we are satisfied with what he has given us and allowed us to have and where he's placed us in our life. But when we become discontent, we take our eyes off of him. And then there are many areas in life where we should never be satisfied. And I think we as Christians in our spiritual walk, we're very easy to get discontent with the worldly things and want more, and we're very quick to be satisfied where we are spiritually. Oh, I've grown enough. Oh, I've done this enough. Oh, I, I don't need to move any more forward with God. Look at what I used to be compared to where I am now. Well, it doesn't really matter where you are now. Because David said he'll be satisfied when he awakes with his likeness. And I, and I got a pretty good vantage point here. 
And uh, I don't think any of us looked like we woke up looking just like the Lord this morning. And so if we didn't, then we have a long way to go. So amen. So if you turn over, I have a lot of scripture. Just FYI, I have a lot of scripture. Because I want you to know that this isn't what Frank Bell is saying. This is what God is saying. Amen. So turn over to Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4, the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And I think it's important to understand that being content is a mindset that, that goes across your entire life, and it starts with having the right desires and delighting yourself in the right thing. Getting the mindset that we are not here to be delighted by the things of the world, the sinful things that are in this world, but we are to be delighted, and our joy is supposed to come from the things of God. Absolutely. Did you hear me? Our joy is not supposed to come from the things in the world. It's supposed to come from the things of God. You ought to be happy and excited that you are in church right now. You ought to love this place. This place ought to be so important to you that if they threaten to close these doors, you'd be willing to go to war. That's how important this place ought to be. You ought to love this place. Every time the doors are open and you get to step through those doors or those doors or that door there, you ought to be so happy and so thankful. This ought to be one of the highlights of your week every single week. You're a Christian. You ought not look forward to, to watching a football game at home more than you do church. You shouldn't be looking forward to watching TV or sleeping in or whatever it is that you do more than you love coming to the house of God or serving God. Our joy and our delight is supposed to come from serving God. And that's where our discontent comes in because many Christians, that's not the case. They get a little bit of delight from serving God. They're okay with a little nibble here, a little nibble there. Hey, I'll come to church. Maybe I'll pass out a track. Maybe I'll do the bare minimum to do my little checklist. And they have no joy and they have no delight in the things of God because that's not their focus. And they become discontent in their life because they're trying to straddle the fence. Anybody ever straddle a fence? It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing joyful about straddling a fence. You say, why do I have joy? Why am I so discontent? You're probably straddling a fence. And there's absolutely no joy and no contentment in straddling a fence. Get off the fence and go all in for God. Amen. So I want to go through first some areas where we ought to be satisfied. First, turn over to Luke chapter 3. Some areas where we ought to be content and keep our eyes on Christ. Luke chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Then, then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise de demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Number one tonight, you ought to be content with your finances. Is Jeff Bezos in the house tonight? Okay, well then none of us is the, is the richest person in the world. That means there's somebody above all of them, every single one of us that has more money, more esteem, more fame, more anything. And if you focus your life and your time on, well, I don't have as much money as this person. Oh, I don't have all the things that so-and-so has. Oh, I can't do the things that this person can do. You will go down a ditch that is never-ending. Right. Right. God has given you the job that he has given you. He 
has put you in the place that he has put you, and you ought to be thankful. You ought to be content because when you're discontent, what you're saying is, Lord, what you have given me isn't enough. You can't take care of me, and you're showing how ungrateful and unthankful you are for what God has given you. You're taking your eyes off of Christ, and you're putting it simply on the things of the world. Well, so-and-so has more money. Okay. Well, if you make as much money as so-and-so, is that going to make you happy and content? No. No, now you're going to want to make as much money as the other guy. And then when you get there, and it's going to be a life trying to make more money and more money and more money, and that's going to cause you to get to the throne of grace one day. You're going to be at the throne of God with no crowns. While you waste all your money chasing the dollar, or, or excuse me, you uh, wasted all of your time chasing the dollar and being concerned about how much money other people had, and you didn't serve God. You weren't content. You weren't content with what God gave you. It's a dangerous place to be, very dangerous place to be, when you start comparing yourself financially to other people. And when you are discontent financially for long enough, you become willing to do things you thought you would never do to not be discontent. Well, I can get more money doing this. And, you know, there's a, a lot of people sitting in jail right now because they were discontent. They wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted more. What the Lord gave them wasn't enough. And it only takes one bad choice. Being discontent is a dangerous place to be. Are you blessed? Raise your, raise your hand tonight if you woke up this morning. Every hand should go up. All right, amen, man. That's awesome. Raise your hand, raise your hand if you had a roof over your head last night. You slept in the bed, unless you're my son who sometimes chooses to sleep on the floor for no reason, amen? But he has a bed. You have clothes on? You're in the greatest church in all the world right now? Amen! So what are you worried about money for? What are you worried about out there for? What are you worried about what everybody else has that you don't have for? Because let me tell you something, just because somebody has more worldly things doesn't mean anything. It might mean that they're not as close to God as you are. Why would you want, if given the choice, would you trade the blessings of this place, the blessings of knowing God, the blessings of serving him, to have more of the stuff out there, the stuff that's going to burn, the stuff that rusts, the stuff that corrupts, the stuff that we can't take with us? For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We waste our time filling our homes with things that we can't take with us. How much family time has been, and, and you know, I'm all for trying to do better, work a little overtime. Hey, you get offered a job that, that pays more money. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if it doesn't interfere with you serving God. There's nothing wrong with doing better, but when you live for it, you're telling God what you have given me is not enough, and I'm not content, and therefore I am not grateful. You may not have said those words, but that's what you tell God when you are discontent. He's put you where he has put you. And you ought to say, thank you, Lord, for where you had put me. Number two, being content with your needs met. First Timothy chapter 6 will be read first. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Let me ask you, if your focus is truly on God, if your focus is really on God and serving him, then what does more of the world and its stuff profit you? 
Nothing. It doesn't profit you anything. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. There's nothing wrong with getting stuff. But when that's your focus, all you're doing is taking your time and your, and your heart away from the things of God. And you're putting it on the things that are going to burn and rust. Number three, turn over to Philippians chapter 4. In verse 10, Philippians 4, in verse 10, Paul says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath uh, flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak of, speak of respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere... And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Back in verse 11, he says, In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I want to tell you, folks, be content with the season of life that you are in. You have children, teenagers, young adults, middle-aged, senior saints, uh, married, single, Kids are grown, raising kids. Everyone's in a different season. Be content. Don't wish your life away, and don't wish, don't waste your time wishing to go back. What a waste of time. I'm a big believer in the midlife crisis. I've seen it. I've seen it happen to people. People get to 40, 50 years old, and they just can't live with the fact that they're getting older. And they long to go back to the uh, glory days of their youth and relive it. And they do stupid things because they're discontent. They walk out on their families. They go into debt like crazy, buying cars and houses and stuff that they don't need and that they can't afford to relive something that you can't relive. Why waste your time? Why take time away from serving God because you are discontent from where you are in your life. If you're 50, you're 50, and praise God for it and be content. If you're, if you're 85, great. If you're eight, awesome. Teenagers, don't waste your time wishing to grow up and to be married and have children. Don't, don't do that. Don't wish your life away. Take the time now and learn how to serve God. Take time and enjoy growing up and being thankful that you're being raised here. It's a whole lot different than being raised out there. I'm going to tell you that right now. All you got to do is walk down German Hill Road for about five seconds, and you'll see what it looks like to be raised out there. And I want no part of it. I live both sides. And I praise God for where I am. I praise God that I am here. I praise God that I'm 39, almost 40. Man, Abigail tells me all the time, I am rocking 40-year-old dad. <laughs> I love it. I bought some brown shoes, not, not these ones, but before we... Uh, went on summer vacation, and she just looked at me, and she said, you're such a dad. Yes, I am, and I love it. I love it. How discontent with you, or are you where you are in your season of life? Are you wasting your time wanting to be somewhere else? Are you wasting your time wishing you were younger? That's a waste of time, because guess what? You can sit down here, you can come down here and pray for 80 straight hours to be younger, and you will wake up 80 hours older. <laughs> it's a complete waste of time. You want to you reminisce? Reminisce, but be content 
Make the decision. I'm going to be content with where I am, where my age is, the season of life, whatsoever state I'm in there with, to be content, and I'm going to move forward for God. There's too many things causing us to waste time and taking our time away from serving Christ. Number four, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. If you're in my Sunday school class, you know where we're going. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9 says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life, of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Raise your hand if you're married. Amen. Oh yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Look at your spouse, wherever you're sitting. Look at your spouse. Love you, babe. I hope you realize and understand what a blessing it is that you have your spouse. Yes. I hope you understand what an amazing blessing it is to be married. And I hope you are so content and so satisfied with your husband or your wife. Remember to, to be satisfied. Remember, let's go back. Desires fully gratified, made content to the fullest extent until no more is desired. It means you ought not be desiring anybody else. It means you ought to be happy with who you have. You ought to be 110% committed and content and satisfied with your wife or your husband, period. Don't say, but, but you don't know. Nope. No, 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 no. You ought to be completely and totally sold out for God first and your spouse second. 100%. I mean, it ought to be a big deal to you. It ought not to be a light thing to you that you are married. And I tell this to my Sunday school class all of the time. Not everybody gets to be married. Not everybody gets to be. I'm tired of seeing people who are married, who have been blessed, destroy it because they're discontent. Looking at other people, well, if only I had her. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you think the other lady that you're looking at is completely perfect and your life would be just a complete... Uh, bed of roses. Same with the guys. Everybody comes with baggage. None of us are perfect. Anybody here ever tried walking on water? Yeah, I've tried a couple of times. Sank to the bottom. Every time. So guess what? If you can't walk on water, it means you're not perfect. That's the, that's the test. Every time you think you're perfect, go to a swimming pool and try to walk on it. If you walk on it, call me. I want you to video call it and show me. Hey, I'm walking on water. But, the, but that ain't gonna happen. Be content with your spouse. If you are content with who God gave you, you will have an amazing marriage. Teenagers, some of you are probably going to want to get married one day. Young folks, let me tell you something. Be content being single so you don't pick the wrong one. Yes, sir. Exactly. You want to destroy your life? Marry the wrong person. You want to bring heartache into your life? Marry the wrong person. You want to bring tears to your eyes and years of regret? Marry the wrong person. Be content staying single so God can bring the one he has for you. He or she is worth the wait, period. Period. There were a couple of times that both my wife and I could have probably not been married, gone with somebody else. Praise God. Praise God. I didn't make that choice. Amen. 
Be content. If you're single, be content. Wait for the one that God has for you. If you're married, eyes off. Be content with who God gave you, period. Amen? All right. Now some areas where we should stay unsatisfied. This is where it gets fun. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. One of the most famous portions of Scripture. But nonetheless... Uh, important. Verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. One area we should never be satisfied with, uh, number one, is our separation from the world and sin. And once again, if you can't walk on top of the water, that means you are not perfect. And that means you have not fully separated yourself from the world and sin. And none of us in this life are going to be totally and fully, completely separated. And it's easy to look behind you and say, man, look at where God's brought me from. I mean, I used to be so deep in sin. I used to be so messed up in sin. And look how far he's brought me. I think I'm good. Oh, man. Brother Payne, I've arrived. God's done so much. And you wouldn't believe what God has done, but I think I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need to keep separating myself from the world anymore. I don't need to worry about sin anymore. No, that's a dangerous place. Because when you get content to where you are in your sanctification, you're going to get complacent, and you're going to find yourself back where you said you would never go back again. That's what happens when you get satisfied with your sanctification. You find yourself back where you were because you let your guard down. You think you've arrived somewhere. You think, well, you probably begin to think, look at what I've done. Look how far I've come instead of saying, man, praise God to where he's brought me from, to where I am now. And I'm looking forward to how much further God can take me in my Christian walk. I'm looking forward to how much I can learn from his word. I'm looking forward to how much more I can serve him, how much more separated from the world and from sin I can get. But when you become satisfied where you are, you get into another very dangerous place of complacency and you will find yourself backsliding. Well, I'm good. Ah, well, it's not that bad of a sin. Oh, it's not that bad. Ah. And all of a sudden, you find yourself saved, yeah, but back where you started. Now you've got to start all over. And you're going to kick yourself for ever thinking that you had arrived somewhere. Never, ever, ever be satisfied where you are in your separation uh, number two, go to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and verse 30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And then... Psalm 34, I'm just going to read this one. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You know, on average, women speak 16,215 words a day. And men, y'all don't talk all that much less. 15,669 words. I don't know how they came up with that. They did a big, a big study. That was the result. 
between 15 and 16,000, and that's the average. So some are speaking a little less, some are speaking a little more. That's, that's quite a few words in a day, 15 to 16,000 words. That's a lot of words. How many of those words are you using to praise the Lord and speak about the Savior? Number two, never get satisfied speaking about the Savior. Stay unsatisfied with how much you talk about him. Because how much are you? Let's say we all speak 16,000 words a day. How many of those words are used telling somebody else about the Savior? Bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ. Saying, man, this is what God has done for me. How many of those 16,000 words a day are you using to make your boast in the Lord to somebody else? Whether somebody in church, whether a lost person out there, a family member. How many of those words every day are you using to praise your God in front of other people? Not privately, in front of somebody else. Any of them? I think a lot of Christians, we fail in this area. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will bring it to pass. Are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? Do you use your mouth to praise the Lord? Or do you use your mouth to curse and complain and whine and cry and gripe and moan and complain about everything? Can I tell you this? People who are thankful for what God has done for them, I mean, truly, completely aware of how amazing it is to be saved, be serving God, they don't gripe and moan and complain. They don't go around telling everybody all their problems and issues and being a Debbie Downer. No, people who are really, truly grateful for what God has done, speak about it. They talk about it. They're not ashamed. And you, all, you better not be ashamed of what God did for you. And if, you're, if you and me aren't going to go out there and use some of these words that we speak every day and praise and lift up the name of our Savior, who is? I'll tell you, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses out there knocking on doors and being bolder than we are. We have the truth. They're out there basically lying to people's faces, and they're just so bold and excited about it. Smile on their face. They believe it's the truth, and they're so much bolder than so many born-again Christians. How often do you speak about the, the Savior? Are you satisfied with how much you do? If you are, that's a dangerous spot. Because just like with your sin and your separation, you're going to start to take a few steps back. Don't be satisfied with how much you talk about the Savior. Number three, searching the Scriptures. Psalm 119. We're going to read several of these verses. Several of them. You ought to never be satisfied with how much you have searched and studied the scriptures. Never. It's important. And while you're turning, I just want to put this little plug in here. I hope you walk with God every day. I hope you pray every day. I hope you take time to open up the word of God every day. And I'm saying that because I know not all of you do. And I know every person in here has probably heard that in the thousands of times. Yet it's one of the biggest things Christians struggle with is a daily walk with God. And one of the things we, or one of the reasons we have no power in our life is because we fail to get rooted in that walk with him. It's important. It's more important than you can ever imagine. You can't 
You're never going to have the power of God on your life if you never take time alone with him. That's like expecting a marriage to flourish, but never talking to your spouse, <laughs> never seeing them, never talking to them, never letting them talk to you. It's, it's foolish to think that we are going to have the power of God on our life when we never go to him in prayer and we never search the scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 16 says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things that of thy law. Verse 21, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Isn't it a blessing that God uses his words to, his word to rebuke us? Because, as I said, none of us walk on water. We need that rebuking sometimes. We need to be set straight. We need to be corrected. God's not going to be able to correct us if we're not in his word. Verse 24 says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Notice a trend here. The word of God is his delight. Is it your delight? We talked about that in the beginning of the message. It's easy to be content with the things of God when God and the things of God are your delight. But if the word of God isn't your delight, if you don't love the word of God, you're not going to read it faithfully. It's going to be a chore. It's going to be, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Let me go read Psalm 1 real fast so I can check. Okay, yep, I read my Bible. You're not going to fall in love with God that way. You need to have a healthy love for God's word. You need to look forward to reading it. Where do we leave off? Verse 35. It says, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Verse 47 says, And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. There it is. Delighting and loving again. Verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Kind of hard to hope in something when you're not reading it. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, I, I think it's pretty important for something that's settled in heaven for me to read. For me to read. And let's not forget how blessed we are in the United States of America to open the word of God. Things may not be perfect here, but every one of us can walk down the street with this in our hand without fear of being locked up. We ought to read it. There are many people, listen to me, many people who have suffered unbelievable torment for this right here. Torture, pain that we can't even imagine. Barbaric torture because they wanted this and we take it for granted. How often does the word of God sit on our table unread throughout the week and we come here Oh, man, praise God, I'm excited to be in church. Hey, what'd you read in your Bible this week? Oh, you know, this and that. Because God didn't do anything. God's not going to do anything in your heart if you're not reading the Word of God. Amen. It's important. Verse 97. Did I read that one? No. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we wonder why so many Christians are wandering around. I don't know what God's will is for me. You ever, you ever hear someone say that? Man, I just don't know what God's will is. Well, maybe if you open up his word, you might know what his will is. 
Maybe if you took time in prayer and sought him and you weren't satisfied with what you think you know in his word and you still searched and studied the scriptures, you would know what God's will is for your life. Verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a call, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I've heard pastors say it many times. He'll point to his Bible and say, that Bible is amazing. And he's 100% right. It's amazing. And we ought to stand in awe of the word of God. And lastly, verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. There's quite a lack of peace in the world today. Even among Christians. And I wonder if it's because we don't spend any time searching the scriptures. We've gotten satisfied. We think we, man, Brother Payne, you know, I've been, I've been saved for 15 years. I've heard a lot of messages, thousands of messages, and I've read through the Bible once, so I'm good. I shouldn't have to read the Bible anymore. No, never be satisfied with where you are searching the scriptures. Never. Psalm 5. We'll go to number 4. Psalm 5, verse 3. David says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Number four, we should never be satisfied in speaking to our Savior. Can I tell you, you've not talked to God enough. You've not prayed enough. You haven't arrived in prayer. Man, when I hear the testimonies of some of the greatest prayer warriors in the past, I am just convicted to the heart of how lame and lackadaisical my prayer life can be. And I don't know about all of you, but prayer is one of the things I struggle with the most. I think it is just so against the flesh. The flesh fights prayer. But you should never be satisfied where you are in speaking to your Savior. Number five, we're almost done. Number five, go to Psalm, well, actually, stay in Psalm 5 and verse 11 says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. And turn over to Psalm 16, verse 11. The Bible says, thou wilt show me the path of life and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Not, number five, never be satisfied with singing and shouting with joy. Amen. Singing and shouting with joy. Do you, have a, do you have a song in your heart? Do you? Is it Metallica? Is it a country song? Or is it stuff that we were singing up here? The stuff that lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ and praises him. The Bible says in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. It's important to have a song and it's important to have joy. But I want to go back to that whole straddling defense thing. If you're not all in for God, you can't expect to have the joy of the Christian life. You straddle the fence. There's no joy there. You can't play around and be moderately faithful to church, rarely read the Bible, 
barely pray, never talk about the Lord, never do anything for God and expect to have the joy of the Christian life. It's like comparing it to uh, being married again. What? Why would you expect to have an amazing and happy and joyful marriage and never do anything for your spouse? Never show your spouse how much you love them. Never go out of your way to do things. Never try to get to learn your spouse. Why would you ever expect to have a great marriage that way? So why do we as Christians expect to have joy and to have a song when we don't do anything for God? Here's the answer. We can't. Christians, I'm talking to you. We need Christians who are serious about the Christian life. We need Christians who are content with the things that God has given them. And we need Christians who are discontent to where they are right now with God. And are willing and wanting and desiring to move forward. We need Christians who are willing to stay in the fight all the days of their life. You keep being satisfied. You keep saying, oh, I'm right with God. I'm good. Yep, you'll be out of these doors. Absolutely. We need Christians who are serious about serving God. And who say, I'm not going to be content with what I know about the scriptures. I'm not going to be content with my prayer life. I'm not going to be content with my soul winning. I'm not going to be content with my service for God. I'm not going to be content with, with uh, where I am with my shouting and my singing and the joy in my heart. I'm not going to be content. I want to move forward with what I'm doing for God. And young people, if you can get a hold of that now, man, you'll do amazing things for God. Don't wait until you're older to get right and excited and on fire for God. Don't go out there and try to sow all the wild oats. All, you'll, all you're sowing is regret. That's all you're sowing. Let's get serious. Let's be soul winners. Hey, you can love the Word of God. You can. Whether you enjoy it now or not, you can enjoy reading the Word of God. You can enjoy serving God. You can love this place more than the, more than the TV. You can, be, you can be on fire for God, period. You can do things for God. You can lead people to Christ. You can be a witness. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can have all of these things, but it's going to take a little effort on your part with you being a little unsatisfied with where you are right now because most Christians aren't even close to being close to God. We have a long way to go. Let's get unsatisfied. Let's get unsatisfied. Are you content with where God has put you financially and your, and your job? Are you thankful? Be thankful. Are you content with your season of life? You ought to be. Can't change it. Are you content with your spouse? Sure hope you are. Are you unsatisfied with where you are in your service for God? I hope so. I hope it motivates you to go further than you ever have. David said, I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. So do yourself a favor. When you wake up tomorrow, if you're not 100% perfect like Christ, then be unsatisfied and keep on going forward. There's a lot of work to be done. And the work isn't going to be done by just two or three people. Every person in here. If every, if every person in this room right now handed out five gospel tracts a week, Every person. If every person in here knocked on ten doors, if every person in here was out hardcore serving God, man, think of what we could do in Dundalk and Essex, this whole place. If every person in here 
got serious about serving God and got here. Romans chapter 16. I want to share this with you. Thank you, Lord, for this verse. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. Bible says, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, and listen to this, but I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. We've got too many Christians who are wise concerning evil and simple concerning the things of God. They got it opposite. We're desiring and caring about too much of that stuff. Let's live this right here. Let's be wise unto that which is good and simple unto all that nastiness out there, all that wickedness out there, all that sin out there, all the worldliness out there. Let's leave it out there. Let's leave it for them. There's enough for us to do to keep us busy in here. Amen? I pray, Christian, that you'll take your Christian life seriously. I pray husbands and wives will love each other and be content. I pray you'll be thankful and grateful and show it to God. And I pray you'll take a good, solid, hard look at your Christian life and decide, I'm not satisfied where I am. I want to move forward. I want to do more for God than I've ever done. I want to lead more souls to Christ. Man, 2022 is coming up. I love New Year's because I love goals. Goals motivate me. I'm going to be running one of these tough mutters in May. It's motivating me to work out harder than I ever have. If I don't have something to go forward, a goal, I won't do it. That's just how I am. I don't know why. Having a goal. Have you set a goal? What do you want to do differently in 2022 than you did in 2021? Maybe you ought to just write some things down, and maybe you ought to make a commitment or two to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want this to change in my life. I want to draw closer to you than I've ever been. I want to read my Bible more. Lord, Lord, I want to read my Bible every single day in 2022. I challenge you. Read your Bible every single day in 2022. Some of you think, there's no way I could do it. Sure you could. Absolutely you could. Lord, I want to pray every single day in 2022. I have some goals. I have some goals. I'm not going to say them out loud because I don't want to be held accountable to them. But (laughs) No. In 2022, I want... I want to pass out at least one track every day. In some way, shape, or form. I want to leave a gospel track somewhere every single day. I've never done that before. Never. I want to do it. I want to be a witness more in 2022 than I've ever been. It's a goal. It's something to look forward to. Something to motivate me to come out of my comfort zone and be more forgotten than I've ever been. Are you satisfied where you are, Christian? Would you love to get closer to God? Heads bowed, eyes closed, please.